0: Play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio.
1: What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh,
2: no! Say what again! Say what again! I dare you! I double dare you, motherfucker! Say what one more goddamn time! I
1: knew it! I'm surrounded by assholes! A Hi, this is Deanie Clark and you are listening to Crazy Train Radio.
2: I'll tell you what's up. Based out of Atlantic City, New Jersey, Geek Time Entertainment runs exclusively along with different events in the area to strategize with their partners who will benefit with increased exposure and patron traffic. Oh, no! Geek Time Entertainment will work with your event in increasing the event's traffic via social media, radio, and storefront advertisements. Holy cow! Also, they will help increase business for your company and event with different sales incentives. Duh. Whether your event will be small or even mid-scale, Geek Time Entertainment is the group to work with. And that's what I'm talking about. Contact them today at geektimeentertainment@gmail.com at gmail.com or facebook.com backslash geektimeentertainment. Oh my God, who the hell cares?
0: is Through the Shattered Glass. It is done by Ms. Jeannie Clark. Uh, the floor is also done by
1: Mr. Kevin
0: Varner. Jeannie, how are we doing?
1: I'm doing fine, thank you, and I'm very grateful for you having me on the show.
0: Hey, we appreciate it, and thank you for sending over a copy of the book, which it, you and me know there was a bunch of problems with the... Milk yeah,
1: milk. Amazon, Yeah. So yeah. Screw you, U.S. Postal
0: well, service, <laughs> but, you know. Yeah,
1: well I hope you had a chance to take through it at least before the interview. Yes, of I have.
0: Yes, we have. Okay. Uh, well, what I was asking before we had that technical problem there, when, when uh, sorting the process of this book, what was it about choosing Kevin Von Erich to do your forward?
1: Well, Kevin and I go back quite a ways. I never really worked with Kevin, but I knew him um, from being uh, friend friendly with Chris. And because he was really close to Chris, and also I work for World Class, I just thought he was the perfect uh, person to ask. And um, obviously he's had a lot of tragedy, and a lot of my book is about addiction. And um, I just thought that he just came to me oh my god you know i wonder if kevin would be kind to do my forward and i was very very grateful to him for writing the five pages that he wrote and i was like wow you know that's that's so cool to have kevin do the forward and obviously he was really close to um chris and around chris when he had a lot of his problems and Um, you know, and and he was a family friend, and he knew Steve as well, and obviously I had a start in the States with world class, and, yeah, I just thought that he was perfect.
0: Now, do you still talk to Kevin, uh, often, or what, did you have to go through, like, uh, mediums to, uh, track him down and ask
1: No, 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 I, I, I have Kevin's phone number, and, yeah, we, you know, talk here and there, so, um... You know, I, I called him up, and I personally asked him if he would be able to do a forward, and he said, how can I help? He's was very, very gracious, sweet well, guy. I've always
0: heard that about Kevin, but, you know, it's clear that He was uh, thrilled to be involved somehow, some way, and whatnot.
1: Yeah, so, he, he really he was. Out
0: in the early spring there. Uh, what's the response been so far from what you've heard?
1: Well um I was quite amazed because to be honest when I when I wrote the book I really didn't think anybody would read it or remember me um but uh I think I've got like 30 32 five star reviews so um the response has been great you know people uh a few of the people in the industry you know have given me really positive feedback so um I I didn't honestly think anybody would read it. So it was a therapeutic thing for me to write the book and just get some closure, to be honest. And, you know, um, also the book for my children and their children will always be around. So it wasn't about uh, anything other than some kind of closure and therapeutic. So I was really really amazed when, when I got so many good reviews on it.
0: Well, obviously you mentioned right there about some of the reaction from those within the industry uh complimenting you. And I remember one of the first people you mentioned to us directly was McFoley giving you a Raven Review. And you were just so you were through the roof <laughs> with such a natural high.
1: I I was yeah. That's a said, oh, nice Mick guy. Out.
0: Yeah, as someone who's written several books on his own,
1: that... Yeah, to the and he, he said to me... Uh, yeah, Mick said to me, he, he, he said he was going to do some work around the house, and he was hoping to get a couple of chapters in before he went to sleep, you know, just, just going to read a chapter or two. And then a little bit later, the next day, he messaged me and said he hadn't been asleep all night because he'd read the book in one day. And and he said, you know, it was a great book and he was sad. He said to me, I'm kind of sad that, that uh, I've read it in a day because now um, I don't have a really great book to read. And obviously I was smiling all day for that because um, it's such a good writer himself, so it was a huge compliment. That Nick enjoyed the book, yeah.
0: Exactly. Uh, You mentioned there about uh, having this blast for your kids and future generations within your family there. When you were putting the book together and all, and you also mentioned that it was therapeutic, uh, was there any stories that surprised your girls? Because obviously, for those who don't know, uh, Jeannie has three daughters, two with Steve Austin and one with uh, Chris Adams. But uh, as far as the kids are concerned, when they uh, saw the book, was there anything that surprised them about you?
1: Well, obviously, um, a couple of the things that um, I really had kept secret for many, many years. And actually, it was my co-writer, and his name is Bradley Craig. He he and I had talked, and he said, well, how did that happen? And then I... I started to actually for the first time talk about some of the moments of despair that if you've read all the book, you'll know I was really despairing. And some of those things I hadn't told my daughters. I'd I'd um, told them a lot though, you know, because they were the ones, um, when I came out of rehab, I was telling them a lot. But um, I think I got really, really brave and just thought that, People would would uh, sometimes not understand how difficult addiction is, and how deep and how low you can go. So, in, in order to be um, inspirational in a way to to uh, people that want who have addiction problems, sometimes I think you know that you can uh, just just. You know tell people how how bad it is and what you go through and 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 you know they they get a better understanding of how life is for an addict um, but my daughters and I have come much closer now because they know the full story and they actually understand you know some of the stuff that they probably didn't know about, so it's actually made us closer and we're more bonded now than ever
0: well do you uh Obviously, like I said, well, Chris is no longer with us, and mentioned you were married to Steve Austin for a time there, and he's the father of your two younger girls. Uh, did you uh, have any contact with Steve as far as, hey, I'm doing this book? Uh, you know, just to give him a heads up of what may or may not have been in a book.
1: Yeah, um, Steve did know I was writing a book. Um, actually, I did my very first interview with Wrestling Inc, I think it was, and um, I didn't know he'd watched that, but he actually phoned, Steve phoned me up and he said, oh, hey, are you excited about your book? And he's the one who actually asked me, well, did you find it cathartic was his his uh, actual word? and And I said, I did. And... He said to me, man, I did not know how bad of an addict you were. And I was, yeah, well, you know, addicts tend to keep things a bit secret. But um, he he was the first person to actually phone me. And, and I said, well, how did you know that, um, you know, it was that bad? He said, because I just listened to your interview. So um, he actually listened to my first interview and he phoned me up straight away. I talked to him about two or three times in the last month, I think, so yeah, we're very amicable actually people can i think people might think that this book is a hit piece, and you know people haven't I haven't been around for a long time, and they might be thinking, Oh, she's just gonna uh talk about Steve Austin and this and that, but actually it wasn't like that that at all it was um um, more, It was a therapeutic process, and, and uh, you know, I, I I certainly have no access to grind.
0: No, and as far as Steve's concerned, uh, the parts I skimmed through with the book, it was nothing but loving, uh, it seemed like, at least on my interpretation, loving uh, words of him, and you always sp- seemed to speak highly of the man where he tried to, you know, and obviously, when you guys were married, he was starting to hit it big as Stone Cold and all that fun stuff. So he was yeah. on the road and everything else. But, you know, I didn't take any mouse out of what you said about the man and how your relationship No,
1: went. No, no, no. That's really not my style. And, and actually, some of the stuff in Atlanta, in WCW, um, I have a few stories in the book of how he... Um, Actually, one of my daughters got ill and he uh, actually drove for like seven hours, visit, visited her in the hospital and then drove back. So he went out of his way to um come and visit her when she was unwell. And, you know, obviously we had a great marriage in that land at the time. Um, things did, you know, obviously change and he changed and I changed. Um But... Uh, I don't believe there was ever, um, you know, any really, really bad feeling or intention from each one of us. It's just like there was a lot of pressure on him and obviously I had postnatal depression and all of that I've written about. And um, I think Steve and I possibly have a better understanding of what was happening when we didn't communicate with those feelings at the time when it, we should have had. Communication, and we didn't. So, you know, it's good, good now that we can talk about it.
0: Yeah, and I, I would think it. You know, this stage of the game. You know, you're both adults, and not to drag any mud there. That if there was anything that needed to be discussed, you guys can be adult and discuss those uh, issues. Yes. So, and I'm sure that if one another called each other, you know, about, you know. The kids, obviously, one's over in England with you, one's here in the states. You said without disclosing that you know one party called the other. You know, in terms of the kids, it's what can we do? It seems like.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, that was also the intention of the book, because you know sometimes if you know you get the divorce, the children are the ones that you that are t- tend to be the victims. And there comes a point where you you have to say, look, let's try and, you know, get out know, for these girls. We are their parents. And, you know, anything, you know, resentments you have had at the time of the divorce and stuff is just, you know, you just have to rise above it and and uh, move on.
0: Yeah, you know, and I don't want to harp on a full interview on Steve, but the yeah, before we move on here, I remember hearing him uh, talk about you know, I forget which daughter it was uh, for, you know, it was one of those, you know, he's on the road, hot and heavy, and they exchanged emails and everything, but he happened to call over the one day and was talking one of the, to one of the girls, mm-hmm. and he said, all of a sudden it hit him, he goes, holy shit, you know, she's got a British accent, <laughs> but she has the at the time she had a raspy voice like him, that Southern Texas draw and all.
1: That's Stay Kathy, here, yeah. That's true,
0: <laughs> he, that's he right, goes,
1: when when I came here, he, she lost her accent, that's true.
0: Yeah, he was laughing about, you know, kidding about it, he goes, Yeah, I call and I'm talking to my daughter in an accent, holy shit, you know, when I hung up, they get hit him. It was all <laughs> good
1: fun. Well, they were young enough where they, you know, picked up the British accent, you know, and they both have British accents now.
0: Yeah. But uh, you mentioned, and obviously it's in the book, and read about it in the book. But you dealt with addiction. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, what was the issue that you dealt with? Was it pills? Was it alcohol?
1: Which direction? Um, was it? Do you know? It's so. It, it happens so sneaky because in the beginning, um, because I had this postnatal depression and. We had some tax problems. WCW had fired him, but we had this beautiful home we had in Atlanta that I was so happy And I mean, I was doing gardening and, um, we, you know, decorating this home and all of a sudden it's like, oh, we, ha- we have to move now. And I, Kathy, I was, I was like eight months pregnant when we, we were in the process of moving. And, um, I didn't settle too well in, um <coughs> excuse me. Actually the house that Vince McMahon actually bought us because we had a tax lien. So we'd had a few problems. Um so I got depressed and lonely and 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 my addiction started out with prescription drugs, um, sort of um, um Xanax and um anti anxiety and antidepressants and then it and then I went on to sleeping pills where I was getting restless and it just snowballed ever so quickly and then some harder drugs later on because you know as your tolerance grows and you're not really um uh getting well just you know on your own then you know as it grows you instead of taking two a days like you're or you' take you're doubling it, and the next thing you're in this like a hamster, really on a wheel of not able to get off and and um it just gets more and more and more and and then if you try to stop, then you get so ill, trying to stop so um mine started with um pain pills um and xanax and then Ambien and uh. Then it went on to some harder drugs as well towards the end before I went into rehab for six months and i and it was a long time I was an addict I'm talking years years and years. I was a functioning addict for um many years, and then, as the addiction got worse um i be my life became unmanageable, and I started not being able to function anymore so um After coming out of rehab after six months, I had a lot of consequences of things that uh, had happened. And um, one of the things they taught me in rehab was if you write things down, um, you know, which was something that I was doing in rehab when I was getting my counselling, is always writing down your feelings. Well, I was doing this so much that I thought, well, this I could turn into a book. But, uh, oh. It went from it went from pills to harder drugs.
0: But uh, obviously, like you said, there was consequences for uh, handling your uh, for your addiction and things, people you may have offended, or your kids, or whatever the case was. Was there any particular relationship that you found most difficult to try to repair or not repair?
1: Um. No, I always try to, um, repair, but yes, there is one actually. That's my, my daughter Jade, because there was, uh, you know, she wasn't, you know, very happy and, um, she chose not to, to talk to me, unfortunately. And although I've come to accept that that might never change, I mean, I'll, I'll always love her. Um, but that is unfortunately, a relationship that um, I'm not sure if it's fixable on her part. It is on mine. I'm not sure if she's uh, wanting to talk to me. It's very sad. Yeah,
0: but how did the other two, Stephanie and Cassie, uh, deal with that?
1: I'm very, very close to uh, Stephanie and Cassie. And they were always there for me, always. They might have been angry and they might have been confused. and And I'm holding my hand up and saying, it's not a good feeling for me. I have a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. However, when you're an addict, it's not like you intend to hurt people, but not only is an addict hurting themselves, they will hurt everybody around them. You know, so, we have, we had a lot of...
0: I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I said, you know, we, we had to, a lot of distrust for a while, but we've had to you know, talk about it and talk about it, and we're we're all right. You know, Stephanie and Cassie and I are very, very close.
0: Well, were they involved? And, you know, luckily I've never had an issue. I know a couple of people who had addiction issues, but not close enough where I was involved firsthand. But as far as the rehab process goes, if you don't mind discussing it, uh, were they involved in terms of... uh, getting counseled as well to learn what they could do to help or not help and as far as your recovery
1: yeah um the the rehab uh, do talk to the children and sometimes you can have a mediator they were the ones that actually called the rehab for me they uh, knew I needed help I told them I needed help I, I didn't I had been hiding my addiction but then I just submitted, Look, I'm hitting rock bottom. I knew I was gonna die. I mean, I had lost so much weight, I looked awful. I mean I I sometimes didn't even have the strength to take a shower. You know, you know, it's not a very cool thing to to be saying but this is what will happen um in the later stages of addiction and, and this is when you're taking more than you, sh- you should, your tolerance and it would only take taking a little bit more and you will die or you'll end up in jail and or something bad will happen. And I knew that I had to do some, I had to tell them. So I, I knocked on the door of their room and I told them and they called the rehab. But, uh, the rehab does help the families, um, or educate them and, um, and, you know, and it's an, sometimes shit has to hit the fan, and then you you come back up and you you have an understanding of it, of you know how, how bad the addiction takes you down really quickly.
0: Do you remember that rock bottom moment where you decided to have to wave the white flag and say, you know, I need to get this addressed?
1: Yes, it was Christmas Day, and such a happy day for um, us when you know growing up we would always have a great Christmas and I couldn't eat Christmas dinner I couldn't cook I could barely walk I mean if I'm honest and I just said you know I looked in the mirror and I am I'm going to die and I can't do this anymore I just said I'll do anything just anything but I need help and and that was Christmas Day uh, three years ago. And Sorry, it was uh, two and a half years. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, since rehab and everything else, uh, do you still do like a, NA meetings or anything? Do you try to, I guess, keep your toolbox in check to?
1: Uh, well, to
0: I on a positive side of okay, things. Okay.
1: I, I, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm not. To be honest, um, and I, I think each to their own on this, I'm not a, um, a 12-stepper. Um, the, the, the 12-step program, I think, works for some people if they go with that. I mean, I have a conflict of, um, I'm a Christian, and and um, some of the, uh, without getting too deep into this, um, I think they conflict, because the so twelve steps is what they call a spiritual program, you know, it's like a god of your understanding. And without you know going too deep into it, I personally found it to be a bit of a conflict. But um, I'm I haven't I've been clean now for uh, coming on three years, and um, I still write things down, but um, I don't actually attend twelve step meetings.
0: But, hey, if, you know, writing stuff down, keeping your feelings, you know, just some things you learned along the way in rehab work for you, why not, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, that there, there is, um, that's the part of the rehab that I um, learn. That's the one thing I do do is write things down or I do have a counselor that I have if I need to talk to someone. And um, But I certainly don't have any, Uh, desires to ever use drugs. And I'm I'm actually looking for a house right now, so um, everything is all positive at the moment. Yeah, so I'm going to Charlotte next week for the Fan Fest. It's my first time back in the States for 14 years. So Kathy's coming with me, and we're really excited.
0: Well, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, Do you plan on doing several uh, dates in the States at all besides Charlotte?
1: Yeah. Um I'm I'm sure I'll do, you know, quite a few while I still can. You know, while the book is fresh. It's nice to get out and reconnect with the fans. I get a lot of support from the fans actually and um I I just love them. I think they're you know, they're always there if you need someone to talk to as well. So yeah.
0: Well um... I'm excited
1: about that. Yeah.
0: We know you're pretty active on the social media front there, that's for sure. And, you know, seeing people, uh, I was actually on the Facebook page for the uh, book itself and reading some of the comments on there about people saying, hey, I just got my book, I, you know. They, a lot of fans were showing their love, it seemed like, uh, as far as the book's concerned. So that was awesome to see. yeah. yeah.
1: They, they they write to me and they say oh I'm on chapter one and this and that and chapter two and I'm I was just so happy that they're reading it at all and and also enjoying it and I've you know been like amazed by the reviews and I think um, most of the people you know um, say that this is they can see it's just an honest um, account of my life through the pro wrestling industry, which started when I was 19. It's been a long time, I'm not on air role, but I've been around the industry since I was 19 in England. And um, it's just great to write all this, all this stuff down, and think people actually reading it is just amazing.
0: Uh, has there been anything, uh, as far as fan reactions so far? That's really Surprised you that you didn't think would happen.
1: Any what? Excuse me.
0: Uh, Fan reaction. Was there anything uh, that has uh, surprised you yet so far?
1: Um.
0: Like anybody particular stories or anything like that?
1: Um. The, just the reaction is is um they didn't really know. I mean, I think there's sometimes. You know, people might think, well, who is she? Some chicken married to Steve Austin, but fans will say to me, well, didn't you, know, you started work in the UK for World of Sport, which is back in the late 70s? And, you know, and I came to the States with Chris and, I mean, and they learn, they, they don't know. They think I just started um, a, a brief angle in world class and a little stint in WCW, and and they did they don't know sort of what was going on, you know, because I went through several territories as well with Chris, just up to Portland, and, and stuff like that, so we, well. yeah, Florida, and so I've been around the business for many, many years, and I think fans didn't know that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah, I get a lot of feedback. They oh, I didn't know that. You know, stuff like
0: that. Well, you know, obviously you mentioned about your getting started at an early age in England for water sport and all that. Uh, what's the biggest difference you noticed uh, between how they conduct business in the states uh, versus over in the UK? There.
1: Well, um, it was more of a sport um here in the UK. Obviously they had rounds like in boxing. Um, and I noticed it was more like a soap opera if you want, some when I went to world class, you know. I remember Chris coaching me and saying, Go watch Dynasty and, and look at John Collins, I want you to be like that and he you know whereas in the UK it's just all sports, you know, there's no sort of storyline to say. But it's it's different. But did that. I loved both of them.
0: Well, for what you did, and some can debate whether it's a valet or a manager or whatever the case may be, uh, did you find things that you can use on either side of the business, depending on where you were at, whether it was in the States or in the UK?
1: Did I find what, excuse me?
0: Was there anything that you find, or that you found that could be used on both sides of the spectrum? Where, like you said, in the states, there's more of a soap opera feeling to it. Where in the UK they treat it more like a sport with the rounds and whatnot.
1: Yeah, um, and and I wasn't actually a valet in uh, what they 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 called me a second. Like um, in the boxing, all I would do, I didn't interfere in the matches or talk. I just got in and like in a second in boxing just give Chris water and rub him down and you know the crowd would just sort of whistle and stuff like that and um so so there isn't any there wasn't any sort of female interference so when I got to world classes like barbed wire matches and hairspray and and candlestick matches (laughs) and all that stuff so yeah it was different there's a lot of fun in the states compared actually
0: and, you know, there, you know some, i heard things like Gucci purchase, purses and all use, you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Take your hairspray <laughs> and your brass nuts and, and all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, crap. Uh,
1: awesome. Awesome memories. Loved it.
0: Well, you know, the one thing I was interested in learning about you, which was you tend to have more injuries involved with a uh, world class than WCW which one might not think, oh, she got injured? Well, you know, guess what? Stuff happens around the ring. Uh, Would you agree with that or care to uh, elaborate? Yeah,
1: um, I did did get injuries in world class. One was uh, a spot show and Steve actually came off the top rope and landed on me and I couldn't walk for about six weeks. And another time Chris told me to, pick up like the iron bar that you use to hit the bell and yeah. he showed me a way to hit with it and actually broke my hand and um and I got but they had me taking bumps in WCW and when I came back after the match Dusty wouldn't say, are you okay okay you're limping but I was totally not hurt in WCW I was just selling it you know but but um I didn't get uh too bad injuries uh, just, well, I got those two injuries just in world class for the little bit of time I was there. And and I'm not even a wrestler, so, you know, I'm sure a lot of the guys, you know, do feel a lot of pain and stuff.
0: Yeah, especially from the, you the book uh, about, like, people don't realize how much goes into the travel alone. You know, like you, you were just saying about, you know, Breaking, you were breaking it down, saying, "Hey, you know, show don't until late. By the time we get something to eat and get to the hotel, it's you know close to midnight." Yeah,
1: and so, I'm and I'm a female who isn't even wrestling, so I can you could double that. I mean, for the guys, and I found it difficult, hardly any time doing it, just t- tired. You know, um, if, if they put the flights a uh, six a.m. flight, you still have to get to the airport. At four, and then when you get off the flight, you've got to get your rental car and check in a hotel, and then they want to go to the gym, and then you get to the arena, and then by the time you get back, it's midnight, and then you have to get up at four. And after you do that for a while, it's, you know, very, very draining the schedule was.
0: Well, obviously, uh, being a parent again here, and you kind of, you know, trickled off uh, after WCW. But as far as uh, going home, did you find towards the tail end there? Did you find that you had to try to be super mom to Jade and to uh, then Stephanie and whatnot? You know, and same, same well, with Steve, worked... you know, it's like when you when you're on the road, constant, 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 with without your kids. Then when you get home, it's you got to try to make up for that lost time.
1: Well, yeah, I never worked after uh, Stephanie was born, and matter of fact, um, I was getting sick on the road in WCW, just feeling a bit sick, and um, I found out that the last, I think it was the last match was Halloween Havoc, and Steve was wrestling Dustin, and uh, I was uh, pregnant in that match, and I didn't take any bumps or anything, and, and I knew then that that was actually gonna be my last, pretty much my last match. But, um, as for Jade, yes, and I can understand how she must have felt because, um, when I was with WCW, I had a nanny, and it's true because the day or two you get off, and then bearing in mind you've got to pay your bills and do all your, uh, washing and, and catch up with all sorts of stuff, and, um, I would imagine it is really hard on, on the kids, the wrestling kids, um, be it their dad on the road or their mum. And, and obviously when I had Stephanie and then I had the two kids at home, then I was very happy being a stay-at-home mum, very, very happy. Some of the happiest years of my life were just after I came out of WCW. And then, of course, Cassidy came along four years later. And um, I never would have, you know, thought about going back into the industry with three kids. So. um I I, I do understand, you know, how it might be hard for the guys to be away from their kids whilst they're on the road.
0: Yeah. Well, and to bring him up again, Steve, uh, when he came home, did he find it hard that trying to be, having to play super dad to make up for time that he wasn't there with a traditional dad that came home every night?
1: I think so. And, um, you know, but he was great dad in in atlanta and we we took them uh we had a trampoline and we had four-wheelers and we would go to the woods and the kids were around all the time but this was sort of pre-stone cold and then after he became really famous as stone cold obviously the pressure on him was immense and i understand that um so when he came home he had a lot on his mind and he was also doing other things i think like mash bridges and um making a cd's and his so music compilation his and and, you know and, and, and it regis and carleon yeah so so on his days off he was still busy and um and then to relax he he picked up hunting again he he did that before i met him apparently um but uh, he you know going out in the woods to unwind so we kind of didn't see him in uh, the latter years prior to our uh, divorce, he, he, he was sort of swamped under, really, and he needed t- to relax, and therefore we started getting a, a, um, a crack in our relationship, and and um, as, you know, you can read, you know, the, the stories that, that I've written, um, where we were both pretty much... Uh, not seeing each other and and uh the children as well were not able to see their dad too much then
0: well you know to ask uh, how how are the kids relationship with him to this day now now that he's out of the ring and has more time
1: that you know uh uh it could be better <laughs>
0: yeah but it's, you know there's some they, sort of relationship um, if not, you don't have the answer, obviously.
1: Well, yeah, I think, you know, things got a little bit messed up and I came back to UK, of which I write the reasons for that. And uh, for many years there was no communication and he, there's a little bit of communication. Yeah, but well, uh, it would be nice to have more and sort of... sort of. Uh, have the girls be able to see him you know they don't really get to see him to be honest yeah
0: you know and you know at that you know leave well enough alone there you know you you don't need to drag up a pay attention. no but
1: you see i uh, would really i would really think that you know after this therapeutic and i take a lot of blame for my own mistakes and um <coughs> excuse me, my addictions and um the reasons why i was I was here and 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 obviously the uh Deborah was married to him, and that was all a bit of a mess up for me and the kids and um then you go through all these years with no communication and uh, the part of the therapeutic process is, hey, you know it'd be really great if we can just. Everybody, you know, real, you know, they could, you know, I, I, I see sort of, Do you know, like the Hall of Fame, the, the WrestleManias and stuff like that. Yes. You see Steve all the time, and you go like, oh man, you know, that would be so cool if Steph or Cass could go to that event with him, you know, or something some like that. Just spend
0: some
1: time, you know. Yeah, I mean sometimes you see like wrestlers' kids with, with, with um and big shows and pay-per-views and that and you know it'd be nice if he would take them along with him or something like that
0: yeah and without like i said without disclosing i know you, because you've mentioned that i don't think i'm speaking out of tune that your one child is on the west coast of the states and he's based on the west coast you know what why couldn't we make something happen there you know and i'm not trying to exactly. that. exactly you know, why we yeah what yeah,
1: yeah exactly If
0: they're yeah. as close as I know they are, but yeah you know, uh location wise well but, yeah
1: stephanie stephanie lives in l a and um yeah, you know it'd be nice to you know just see her uh have a you know a lot more a communication, time. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But as a mother, let me ask you that, because we kind of talked about it. How how hard is that for you to have uh, your child across the pond so it's not exactly easy to see her all the well,
1: time? Well, we we have a FaceTime going just about every day. Um, but, uh, you know, Stephanie moved to L.A. several years ago, but she comes home every <laughs> six months. So, you know, she she always has a couple of Christmas... And and um, around the July, I do see her, um, and and obviously we FaceTime just about every day. But uh, exciting for me is the fact that I just got a visa. Now, you know, I'm just going off here. But um, when I when I lived and I was married to Steve, obviously I was resident in the United States, so I had a green card. Um, but Since I was resident in the UK when I was being really ill um, throughout those years of addiction, um, if you actually leave the States for more than a year, you actually have to abandon your green card because you're actually not resident, so it doesn't um, apply. Um, And I did have just about uh, two weeks ago, and I'm actually going to be going to LA this Christmas. (laughs) I'm excited about that.
0: Oh yeah.
1: yeah,
0: I think you'll enjoy the Uh Yeah, well, and well, let me ask you this because you said you got an appearance coming up in Charlotte. Does it make it harder yeah. to for promoters to book you, uh, as far as because you know just for documentation and all that fun stuff to make sure, not that you're doing anything wrong, but you know just to keep everything on the up and up.
1: Um. I didn't have, uh, bearing in mind Charlotte is my very first time, time fest that I'm doing and, um, there wasn't any problem booking me for it, um, so, so nothing came you know, i it
0: could have been difficult for, you know, obviously no, I would assume you no. have your passport and all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: everything, everything is sorted now, so I can, you know, get on a flight and come on over and... Um, I think, too, because it's my very first fan fest. It's, it's, uh, I'm a, you know, I don't know if people remember me or not, but it sure is going to be cool going there.
0: Well, uh, I heard a little birdie mention something, uh, about, you might be doing in something in the Philadelphia region as well, coming up in the fall, is that true? Um,
1: um yes, yeah. Although I I'm, I'm not a hundred percent uh I'm still working on that, but, but that's that's uh some somewhere I might be at, but I haven't actually I don't want to say I'm gonna be there because I haven't actually finalised it. I think I might be, yeah.
0: Okay, well yeah, we'll see where that leads. but Charlie's definitely what, What's the dates on Charlie? Yeah.
1: It's um August the fourth to the seventh.
0: Okay, and that's the Mid-Atlantic, uh, Greg Price, yes. I believe?
1: Yeah, Greg Price, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, they usually do top-notch shows there, so that is for
1: sure. Yeah, it's a good one to be in the first one to be at.
0: Yeah, you, you definitely got yourself a good one, because they usually do uh, a pretty good bang-up job in bringing everybody in, and everything's usually pretty smooth sailing from what we heard about that. Yeah. But the book is... Brutus Shattered Glass. Jeannie Clark, thank you so much for uh, joining us.
1: Do you know what? I have really, really enjoyed this particular interview. It's been excellent, and the questions were great, and and I'm very, very grateful that you invited me, and I think you did a great show. Thank you so much.
2: With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Jeff. Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. (gasps) Woo! Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. And that's what I'm talking about.